And this is the last coffee house, guys. What we're talking about today, we're talking about Emily Dickinson. So Emily Dickinson kind of has a curious start. I'm sure it's not all that foreign to have this kind of a situation for poets. They tend to be a little insular or antisocial or something like that. But the first volume of her poetry was actually published four years after her death. It was published in 1890. The first complete collection was 1955. Throughout her life, she did have a couple of poems published here and there in the Springfield Republican between 1858 and 1868. But they were published anonymously and they were usually heavily edited where they kind of conventionalized the language in her poems. But then after she died, it was actually like family. There were there was a bifurcation of who had the poems and she said to burn all of her letters but she didn't say anything about all the poetry she had written prolific authors who end up being amongst the greatest in the history and recognized for such and they have no idea and will never have any idea that they got this kind of recognition but I guess for them it's not really likely about that is it and that's why it turned out so good but there was this conflict over the publication where like one of the family houses had dominion over some portion of the poems and another family house had dominion over the rest and they wouldn't publish and they wanted the poems from the other ones but eventually they published them of course now we've just got them all and we can do what we want when it comes to her style anybody who's seen emily dickinson's poems they know that they're usually pretty short <laughs> they've got recognizable the most recognizable thing is the punctuation and the weird capitalizations and she uses a lot of dashes did you know they call dashes strokes in england did, were you aware of this but she has some weird line breaks sometimes and she changes up the patterns and the syllables quite a bit but she has certain themes that she goes with and just for me personally <laughs> Emily Dickinson is definitely one of the poets that I remember the most when I was growing up in reading poetry by Emily Dickinson there were certain phrases that would just stick with me and I'd say them to myself and I say them to myself to this day they'll just come to me because they were so imaginative and interesting at the time that I listened to them a root of evanescence just sounds beautiful <laughs> a rush of cockaneal because I could not stop for death he kindly stopped for me i like to see it lap the miles and lick the valleys up i mean there were so many and these images that i got from them that were so interesting and i just remember those from when i was first reading like the earliest memories of me reading involved emily dickinson's poems so as you get into it and again this isn't something that's the the beneficiary of a whole bunch of editors or anything like that i don't know how many of the other poets went through that process but we can know for sure that <laughs> emily dickinson didn't likely have a bunch of editors working on her private poems that she didn't know anybody would read but just to go through a few of them, I've just got a couple here that stuck out to me. He ate and drank the precious words, his spirit grew robust. He knew no more that he was poor, nor that his frame was dust. He danced along the dingy days, and this bequest of wings was but a book, what liberty a loosened spirit brings. Beautiful, clean, lots of good word play in there. And the, so there's this thing, and I think I told this story before, where your voice dropping at the end of every line. Generally, when you read poetry... <laughs> That's not how you're supposed to read it. But with Emily Dickinson, it actually seems like she wants you to read it that way. And the story of when I was reading poetry in front of the class and I got made fun of by the teacher because I kept dropping my... <laughs> my voice at the end story anyway uh the next one is some keep the sabbath going to church i keep it staying at home with a bobbling for a chorister and an orchard for a dome some keep the sabbath in surplus i just wear my wings and instead of tolling the bell for church our little sexton sings god preaches a noted clergyman and the sermon is never long so instead of getting to heaven at last i'm going all along and this is one another one of the themes that she goes to so religious and obviously it's kind of a this point in history 
history anyway. It's kind of a rather straightforward theme or moral to the poem that you can have God with yourself at home as opposed to having to go to church. But it sounds beautiful and it's very well put together. And that's one of the things that you'll see. I'll, I'll do talk about it in my wrap-up, but you'll have these things like with most poets, I'm sure, where you'll have this pseudo-profundity in, in some poems and then you'll just have mind-blowing ideas in others and just the most beautiful language you can imagine. So it doesn't really matter which one of those most of the time that you're running into. Because I could not stop for death, he kindly stopped for me. The carriage held but just ourselves in immortality. We slowly drove, he knew no haste, and I had put away my labor and my leisure too for his civility. We passed the school where children played, their lessons scarcely done. We passed the fields of gazing grain, we passed the setting sun. We passed before a house that seemed a swelling of the ground. The roof was scarcely visible, the cornice but a mound. Since then tis centuries, but each feels shorter than the day. I first surmised the horses' heads were toward eternity. It's like dire and scary and... <laughs> real but that's one of those images that has stuck with me my entire life because i could not stop for death he kindly stopped for me there's something about that cordiality that is just mocking or something <laughs> and it's a beautiful image i'm nobody who are you are you nobody too then there's a pair of us don't tell they'd banish us you know how dreary to be somebody how public like a frog to tell your name the live long day to an admiring bog i think something about that idea stuck with me too the admiring bog it's like what are you actually talking to who are you who are you saying this to <laughs> Is it really worth it? <laughs> But a pair of us nobodies seems like an interesting idea as well. Wantonly superficial people will reference the hope is the thing with feathers that perches on the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And sweetest in the gale is heard and sore must be the storm that could abash the little bird that kept so many warm. I've heard it in the chillest land and on the strangest sea yet never in extremity it asked a crumb of me. But they, the hope is the thing with feathers that perches on the soul. People use that couplet and they just say oh no that's fine. It says a lot that's it. Okay moving on. I like to see it lap the miles and lick the valleys up and stop to feed itself at tanks and then prodigious step around a pile of mountains and supercilious pier and shanties by the sides of roads and then a quarry pair to fit its sides and crawl between complaining all the while and horrid hooting stanza then chase itself downhill and neigh like Boanerges then punctual as a star stop docile and omnipotent at its own stable door. Now this one's about it's about a train right? <laughs> that one this is I absolutely love the language in this it's blowing me away just reading it again it's so creative i love the prodigious step around a pile of mountains the supercilious pier and shanties by the sides of roads it's i mean it's so beautiful it's the bow bow energies i i didn't look up these references or anything those are, are those the thunder the like brothers of thunder or something like that faith is a fine invention for gentlemen who see but microscopes are prudent in an emergency now this one <laughs> i like the sentiment it's a little goofy to me because obviously in your emergency emergency, you know, ah, they're shooting. You don't go to a microscope, but I mean, it's, it's supposed to be a stand-in for, you know, science or reality or something like that. So, so it's just a little thing. Again, this is, I agree with the sentiment, but when it comes to poetry, it's a rather simple idea to put into a poem. Root of evanescence with a revolving wheel, a resonance of emerald, a rush of cochineal, and every blossom on the bush adjusts its tumbled head, the mail from Tunis probably, an easy morning's ride. And I think it's cochineal, actually. I don't think it's cochineal. <laughs> I don't think you hit it that hard. I think it's a little more delicate than that. <laughs> 
But still, a rush of cochineal. Whatever the pronunciation, again, beautiful language. Sounds great, looks great, love all the words. It's just wonderful to read. And this is uh, underscore some of her, a lot of her references are about nature and things around nature, which make it feel, I don't know, earthen, tethered. It's just, <laughs> I just really like hearing it. I felt a funeral in my brain and mourners to and fro, kept treading, treading till it seemed that sense was breaking through. And when they all were seated, a service like a drum kept beating beating, beating till I thought my mind was going numb. And then I heard them lift a box and creak across my soul with those same boots of lead again. Then space began to toll and all the heavens were a bell and being but an ear and I in silence some strange race wrecked solitary here. Jesus. I mean, rereading this stuff again, like, I understand why she was such an important influence when I was a kid. I might not have understood at the time how much those, the creativity with the language and the ideas that were coming through. Like I said, these, a lot of these, you know, when they're darker about death or... (laughs) or something. They have such a profound impact. It it really blows me away that somebody was sitting alone somewhere just composing these things and coming up with these ideas and saying these things that are so very true and so very terrifying and able to just get them on the page for somebody to read them later without even realizing it. It's, it's the kind of thing that creates this <laughs> broad fabric over the entirety of human <laughs> creativity and experience that makes it feel like it's somehow connected no matter how solitary it seems, you know, when it comes to the themes of it or to be sitting alone reading some dead words on a page. It's it's a beautiful thing. Uh, like I said, just in my analysis, it's a lot of the themes and the things that she returns to are like gardens and nature. There are some with the generic profundity, you know, like the one about faith or whatever, but there are others that are just mind-blowing that I absolutely love. There's so many mem- memorable phrases that I can't get out of my head no matter how much I try and some legitimately unique and important thoughts. So Emily Dickinson, definitely 100%. You're in the canon. You've arrived. I would not kick her out for anything. I I love reading it. I love the sound of it. And it was good that her family was able to bury some hatchets, uh, whether that was figurative or literal. <laughs> to be able to get her work out there in the world. So, uh, just, I've been gushing this entire time. There are a number of poems that I just, a good chunk of them, just like any other poet, I just couldn't get into, I didn't like, I didn't want to read. So if you just want to read all the best of Emily Dickinson, 100% okay, do that. You're going to get your mind blown. At least enjoy yourself for uh, a spell while you're sitting and reading with a pipe near a fire. (laughs) whatever however people read nowadays anyway thank you very much for listening this is the last coffee house this was best of literature i don't know what number this is but the next one coming up in best of literature is i think it's dostoevsky and i was so happy to find out i already read this because i wasn't sure if i had (laughs) but i have all of my notes through the entire 800 page book that I read cover to cover I've got all those so I'll be able to do that and it shouldn't be that long before I get that one up it's gonna be it's not great that I'm not gonna reread it for purposes of the episode because it'd be great to have a really fresh understanding of it but I don't want to spend that much time rereading an 800 or so page book uh, to be able to do my one 15 minute episode on it (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that's a dereliction of duty, but I've got some nonfiction. I've got some other fiction coming up, and I'm just super excited about the things that are on the horizon. So whatever the case, thank you very much for listening. Hope all is well. I will see you on the next one. Okay, bye. (laughs) 